0: Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us via telephone, Terry Wynn. Terry is the daughter of Carolyn Taylor Wynn, who wrote the book, Through My Eyes, A Lifetime of Memories, Southern Style, which I reviewed not too long ago. Here is what Carolyn said about her book. From living in the low country of South Carolina, where I was born a country girl, to living in the big city of Atlanta, where I became a southern lady, to my trips all over the world as an international traveler, come the special tales I want to share with you as I remember them through my eyes. So, Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you. And I will mention the reason why Terry is speaking to us is that uh, your mom passed away after she published this book. Isn't that correct?
1: did the behind-the-scenes work
0: for her? Well, I'm sure that she would, she would love the results. I think she would, too. So, but before we get started on, on some of the questions I have about the book, uh, this is Library Voices, SC, so uh, our podcast tends to relate to libraries somehow. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with libraries or even your mother's relationship with libraries?
1: From the time I was a small child, our entire family went to the library weekly, and I've continued to go to the library throughout my whole life, and I still participate in many of the extracurricular activities they offer. I'm a big believer in supporting and visiting libraries.
0: Well, that's wonderful, and I know uh, in the Atlanta area, you have a huge selection to choose from. (laughs)
1: has their own, and they're well visited.
0: Well, that's always good to hear. Um, So let's go ahead and delve into the book. Tell us about the book and, and even what prompted your mother to write it.
1: My mother was a corporate accountant, and when she retired, she started taking enrichment courses for senior citizens, including art and creative writing. She really liked that creative writing class, so she signed up for it multiple times. The assignments were the same, write about a favorite childhood memory. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, my phone rang, and she would ask, "Terry, will you put this assignment on your computer for me? <laughs> so I had an opportunity to read her assignments, and I was charmed.
0: I'm sure. So I
1: asked her to write more about them, and I asked her to record them, and then we sent both the recordings and the writings to a publisher, and Graphite Press immediately offered her a publishing contract, and she immediately accepted.
0: That's wonderful. And, and what, what, um, what got into her mind even to want to take a creative writing class? Do you happen to know?
1: I don't know. I think she took a variety of different classes some were on history, some were on calligraphy, she took a class on Greek writing. She just simply liked writing about her past.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, just a little bit about the book, and I had, um, I've actually I forget when I reviewed this book, it seems like it's been, has it been a couple of years?
1: Yes, it has, because she wrote the book, but it didn't actually become published until after she died. So. It was shortly after she died that you read the book a few years ago.
0: Okay. And uh, that's when I was coordinator of the South Carolina Center for the Book, which is readsc.org, and our listeners can uh, visit that. And while I'm mentioning websites, uh, you can also go to the website um, Carolyn Taylor Wynne, and that's C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R-W-Y-N-N-E.com. Did I get that correct? That's absolutely correct. Good, and we'll also have that on our podcast webpage, so you can click on that to not only purchase uh, the uh, Through My Eyes book, but also learn a lot more um, and, and find pictures and all kinds of great stuff. So, but I, w- I wanted to just read um, what I had said about the book, because it kind of it, it's easier for me to just read it, because when I wrote it, of course, it was fresh in my brain. But um, here's what I had, had said about the book. From the Carolina cotton fields to metropolitan China, Wynne takes readers on a journey of a Southern girl's childhood to becoming a world traveler. Her vignettes transport readers deep into rural South Carolina and connect the smells, tastes, and sensations of the times. From heartfelt reminiscences to humorous examples of an American in foreign locales, readers are transported into the memories of the kind of person you'd like to get to know. And, you know, reading that again, I I really do recall that Carolyn would have been a really neat person to sit down and and have a coffee with.
1: It's funny you should say that. One of the other advanced reviewers said the same thing. It's the kind of person you'd like to get to know. She was equally a good listener as well as a good talker.
0: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can imagine. And I can imagine she, everywhere she traveled to, She, I, she, I bet she never met a stranger. In our international
1: travelers. She was fearless about going up to strangers and saying, oh, I see you have the same tag hanging from your suitcase that I was allotted. You must be on a tour. And she'd introduce herself, and automatically she had a new friend.
0: You know, that's such, an, uh, it's such a wonderful quality, and I think it's a quality that not a lot of people generally have. A lot of people tend to, you know, be on their own and by themselves and perfectly comfortable to do that, but it takes an extraordinary person to just start up a conversation with a stranger.
1: I agree, and I modeled from her, thinking, well, you know, maybe I ought to stop worrying about whether or not people want to meet me and just act as if I want to meet them. So I learned by modeling from her that that's really true.
0: Well, it, it certainly works, because you and I have certainly spoken a lot, and uh, I get that same, same sense about you. Um, So talking a little bit more about the book, do you happen to know why she chose the title Through My Eyes and maybe what makes her book unique?
1: Oh, absolutely. My mother explained that multiple people could be in the same experience and they could view it differently, and she wanted to write how she viewed her remembrances of her experiences. You asked what makes didn't want to share it, she mainly writes about her childhood recollections, and then she writes mainly about her mishaps with laugh-at-myself punchlines at the end of each.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So her book is a really good lesson in laughing at ourselves.
0: And that's an important quality to have. I think we all probably could learn from that. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, didn't she draw the cover art? I think I remember you telling me that
1: story behind this cover art, the publisher asked her, what kind of cover do you want? And she did some research looking at the covers of bestsellers, which I thought was smart. And she realized many of them had an orangish background with black lettering. Hmm. So she decided she wanted an orangish background with a silhouette of a tree, a rope swing, and a little girl in it. So through the magic of technology, the publisher himself took some of her art that she took in her enrichment courses
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and and drew, made it into a silhouette, and that's the cover for the book. I think it's beautiful and very effective.
0: It is. It's it's really attractive. And in fact, we'll have that image of the book cover on our podcast uh, episode. Um, so tell us a little bit and maybe describe how your mother organized the book. How is it laid out?
1: She had her remembrances pretty much in chronological order, but Mm -hmm. the publisher recommended that she organize them into chapters, and the chapters into parts. Mm -hmm. So she chose four parts that roughly equated to the major phases in her life. Mm -hmm. Part one is life in South Carolina as a country girl. Mm -hmm. Part two is life in Atlanta, Southern Lady. Part three, life with a passport, International Traveler. Part four is life among relatives, Legacy of Memories and then a short afterward.
0: And tell, tell us a little bit more about um, why you think maybe she organized it that way.
1: Since the, each part reflects a phase of her life, mm-hmm. she wanted to tell people what each phase was like. For example, part one, when she's growing up in a small, small town, Richland in South Carolina, she lived in a house without running water, no electricity, an outdoor privy, and then the family moved to the first house in the county with electricity wow. and running water. So it's a fascinating legacy about history and education.
0: It, it really is. Um, one of the things that popped into my head is As she was writing this, she was, of course, you know, running things by you, but was she also discussing it with maybe other family members or friends?
1: No, this is from her own memory. She vividly remembered what had happened to her as a child. Mm -hmm. Just like some of us, especially if something is memorable or embarrassing or funny or unexplained. You tend to remember those things, so she did not need collaboration. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that, that, that actually says a lot because a lot of people who, you know, are writing uh, memoirs or, or writing a book, they will, you know, run a section by a person if it's especially about that person uh, or if that person's, you know, a part of it.
1: Well, remember, Dr. Rogers, she named the book Through My Eyes because she wanted so much to say how she viewed things. I don't think it was important to her how other people remembered it. She wanted to write about how she remembered it. That was important to her.
0: Definitely. And um, like I had said in in what I wrote about it, um, is that you're really transported into all of those different locales. She had a a great uh, ability to really describe thoroughly uh, locations.
1: Oh, she did. You know, you had mentioned in your words that she kind of brought you into the smells, taste, and sensations of the times. And I can read you one line where she described Easter dinner as a child during part one. She says, there was a whole baked ham glazed and studded with cloves, not to mention the fried chicken, the tossed salad with avocados, the ginger ale congealed salad, the vegetables, and our favorite dessert, floating island. <laughs> so my mouth water's just reading that. <laughs> that's and I right. assume that that's why you felt like she brought out the sensations of the times.
0: Definitely. Um while we're uh while we're talking about passages from the book, is there a passage that you would like to maybe read for our listeners?
1: Sure. There's one that I think is charming and it's also from part one and it's called New Year's Eve, and since the holidays are coming upon us, I thought this was appropriate. She writes, I remember seeing my first New Year's come in. I was 12 years old. We went to bed early and arose early on the farm. There was no television, and worse than that, no central heat. Everyone but me went to bed at 10 o'clock on this New Year's Eve. I put another log on the fire Found a quilt to cuddle up in and turned on the radio. I listened to the big name bands from different cities. Still, the hands of the clock barely crawled around. My eyelids became heavy, but I was determined to see the new year come bursting in. Finally, there was Guy Lombardo's Auld Lang Syne from Times Square and then a countdown. The radio became noisy and very loud. Not so in our house. There was complete silence. The fire had gone out. No doors flying open. No father time departing. No toddling diaper new baby.
0: That really says a lot. You know, when you when you hear a passage like that, you really get a, a really good mental image of, of the surroundings.
1: And I'm wondering too, is this not true for any child that stayed up to find out what New Year's Eve is like? Mm-hmm. No matter what period of time, if you're not at a party, isn't it the same thing? There's right. no <laughs> real change between midnight and a minute before midnight.
0: Exactly. You're exactly correct. Tell us a little bit about your mom's family. Did she have siblings?
1: She had siblings, and she loved her family. In fact, one of the parts, which is the last part of her book, is Life Among Relatives, Legacy of memories, And she had some interesting relatives she wrote about. And there's just a short line I'd love to read to you, if you don't mind. I've sure. got one of her interesting relatives. Please do. She writes about going to visit her Aunt Lily, who was blind, and I found this very, very interesting. She says, her lunch was brought in, and I marveled at her ability to tell how hot her coffee was and where the meat, as well as other food, was on her plate. She explained that the same type of food was always put in the same place on the plate, like numbers on a clock dial. She didn't spill a single thing. I just thought that was a fascinating insight to someone who was blind.
0: It is. That's, it, really, it really makes you think. It really makes you stop and pause.
1: There are several other parts if you'd like me to tell you more about Part 2 in Atlanta.
0: Sure, that would be great.
1: When my mother grew up, she married, she had three children, and she moved from South Carolina to Atlanta. So I was around then, and I can tell you some things that are not in the book to help you know more about my mother. First of all, I've read to you about what her family ate f- for Easter dinner. Mm-hmm. But to tell you about my mother, she was a superb cook, so good all of her friends asked her to open a restaurant of her own. Oh, wow. Wow. And she would make such a good meal homemade fried chicken, homemade biscuits. And by the way, I did learn how to make those.
0: <laughs> I that's made important. Of
1: pudding with meringue served hot out the oven. And inevitably, at the end of our big meal, she would say, Somebody eat that last helping so I can wash the bowl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can still hear her saying that. And she had no trouble with somebody eating that last helping. Well, that's great. So she was an excellent cook. She was good at interior design. She was a fastidious housekeeper. And I, I'll tell you a cute story about just how fastidious she was. Uh-huh. When I was an adult living on my own, I came back to take care of my mother at her home when she had to have her knee replaced. And I took a month of family leave from work. When I arrived, there was this huge box on the kitchen table. And I thought, oh, she got me a gift. <laughs> I, she didn't need to do that. Uh-huh. But what was in the box was Windex, Comet, Pledge, <laughs> and a great big bottle of toilet bowl cleaner that she had bought for me to use. Oh, no. <laughs> so if she couldn't keep that house clean, she was going to make sure that I cleaned it for her.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's what moms are for. <laughs> I guess so. That's what children are for. Too. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, one of the things that popped up in my head as we're talking is, in the book, when she's talking about different foreign locations that she had traveled to, what do you think, or maybe you, you might know for sure, what was her favorite foreign uh, visit or favorite foreign locale and why? She
1: never mentioned that one in particular was her favorite. She just loved seeing anything abroad. She loved seeing the international landmarks that we've read about all our lives, the Eiffel Tower, Big Ben in London. But she also liked traveling through rural areas. Mm. Uh, we went to Africa seven times on safari and then another to West Africa and a separate time to Egypt and a separate time to Morocco. So I don't think she had any one favorite, but I think she enjoyed herself by getting to meet local people eating local food and she even writes about the funny new foods that she's eaten in her lifetime she's even written about the funny bathrooms you never know what not to push or pull or what's going to trigger uh-huh. through the faucet <laughs> and she just enjoyed the newness and the novelty of wherever she was she loved to play and have a good time and she made sure that she did on all of her trips she just made her own fun
0: Well, that certainly comes through in the book. And um, did she ever get to a point when she really either couldn't or didn't want to travel as much anymore?
1: No, she traveled up to the last two or three years of her life.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: And when it was harder for her to walk, we started going on cruises.
0: Oh, that's perfect.
1: So she had a good time. I can tell you a cute story that when we were on one of our cruises, we decided to play the murder mystery game because she and I were each other's travel companions. Mm -hmm. And a group of eight people that were passengers were assigned to a table in a very large noisy room. Each person was given a part to play and then you guessed who was the murderer. Uh I distinctly remember saying to our group, it's noisy, you'll need to talk very loud for my mother to hear you. Mm-hmm. But she'll win this game in the end <laughs> and she did she that's did great. and i have a picture of her she looks kind of self-satisfied and i was so proud of her and i think she was proud of herself
0: uh-huh uh-huh of course i'm sure she was <laughs> that's a great story um so as we wrap up is there anything else you'd like to uh share with our listeners
1: i would an interesting afterward i won't tell you about her afterwards since it's only one page but when i was cleaning out my behind the scenes files there was one file with her signature in it that we had sent to the publisher to print in the book mm-hmm. and in that file i found a note i've never seen the note before it was on a misshapen piece of paper and in my mother's handwriting and it reads Hello, Terry, and thank you for all your hard work on our Through My Eyes. May yours be even better than this one. Love and more love, Mom.
0: Wow, that's really something.
1: I cannot explain this note. People tell me, oh, she slipped it in, or you've already read it and forgot about it. I know that neither assumption is true, but one thing I would like to share since you offered is that she encouraged me to write a book in that note, and I encourage listeners to write their own memoirs. Even children are writing memoirs now. You can never be too young. You can never be too old. Would you love to read your great-grandmother's memoirs? Oh yeah! I want to have that history passed down, and even if you don't write it for your own relatives, write it for yourself. Because in looking back, you get to choose those situations which had meaning for you and made your life meaningful in turn.
0: Uh, that's that's very very true. I think a lot of people, you know, think about writing, but then they just never either find the time or maybe never find the right creative writing class like your mom did so it's um that's that's wonderful advice
1: and i encourage if you don't write just tell your stories or record them like my mother did and you don't have to have your book published you could just find your own child and ask them to put it on their computer (laughs) for you but if nothing else hand write them or at least tell family members so they can pass it along i think that's the best legacy you can leave is to share what your life was like
0: I agree. And th- those are all, all wonderful sentiments. So thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing all of that.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.